0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest episode of the Quartalinius podcast. I'm your host, Zach Lowy, and I'm here today with Matthew Marshall of Portugal.com. Anybody who listens to Quartalinius knows that Portugal is a friend of our project, so really excited to have him on. He was actually in Ljubljana slovenia for the u21 euros final between portugal and germany so super excited to be discussing that as well as quite a few other subjects on today's episode how are you doing matthew
1: good mate yeah not bad nice to be back home
0: good good so uh you are back in germany a portuguese australian who is living in germany so i assume you have somewhat mixed feelings uh, from the result of the weekend's match is that correct or no
1: <laughs> uh, yeah yeah I guess if anyone was going to beat Portugal I was uh, I guess yeah happiest that was Germany you know I've been fortunate to attend a whole lot of uh, Bundesliga games and also a lot of uh, European Champions League games in in, in Germany and the uh, the atmosphere in, in German stadiums is second to none the, the, the fan culture is incredible and um yeah uh, it's good that it went to Germany I guess
0: <laughs> yeah as an Italian-American, I had somewhat mixed feelings when uh, Portugal were taking on Italy uh, in the quarterfinals. They ended up beating them in, in an absolutely crazy game. Then they grinded out a win against Spain in the semifinals and then went to uh, Bojlana for the final against Germany, where they unfortunately lost. So, you know, there was a lot of hype going into this tournament for this Portuguese team, having won the U17 Euros in 2016, having won the U19 Euros in 2018. It seemed like they might be able to do a trifecta, but they ended up losing to a very good Germany side. And honestly, if we we go back to uh, the start of the tournament... I remember we we posted on on BTL a, an article just going over every single player on the Germany team, and a lot of people were were somewhat skeptical because Germany were not one of the most favored sides in this tournament. I think that going into it, France probably had the most hype, which is a bit ironic given their actual results. I would argue that Netherlands. Uh, Portugal, you know, even England and Spain, I think, had more hype going into the tournament. This was not a very exciting Germany squad, shall we say. But at the end of the day, they got the job done and uh, they outplayed them. So what did you make of this final? Did, was it Was it surprising from your point of view?
1: No, I thought it was going to be a pretty even game and... I didn't honestly think there was that much that much in it. you know it's, it's fine margins in a, in a lot of games of football and you know, Thiago Tomas had a, had a chance just miss really early on. Of course, Vers uh, hit the post, but then you know the best chance of Portugal came right at the end of the first half and unfortunately Betinha couldn't get it done. So you know if, if that had been a goal just on the stroke of half time, we could have seen an entirely different game, entirely different second half. And they're the fine margins that's what that's the differences you know so i didn't think there was a whole lot in it i mean you could break it down any way you want you can sort of twist any game, any way you want, in a lot of respects. But, you know, Germany do have a good team. I think they surprised some people who didn't really give them much credit, as you mentioned. A lot of other teams getting more airspace. But, you know, they've got a lot of quality. You know, Wirtz uh, is an excellent player. Riedel Baku is also a player with a huge future. And uh, Lukas Nemecha, the guy who scored the, uh, the the goal, has been scoring a whole lot of goals throughout the whole campaign. And he showed his quality in the final. And, of course, Arna Meyer has been, you know, playing for Hertha Berlin. He was at Arminia Bielefeld on loan, but he's also a quality player in the centre of the pitch. And both their centre-backs had plenty of Bundesliga experience this season. So, yeah, they're a good team. And, you know, they, they got it done on the, on the night. So, deserved win for them. But I, I don't think there was a whole lot in it. And, you know, little things go go differently. As I said, that, that chance at the end of the first half was key. And that could have really made it a different outcome.
0: Yeah, you brought up Thiago Tomas. Uh, Not many surprises in the Germany lineup from Stefan Kuntz. Uh, Not many surprises in the Portugal lineup either, but I think the biggest surprise was Thiago Tomas uh, getting the start as the uh, second striker alongside Dani Mota, uh, getting the nod over Rafael Leao um, and Gonzalo Ramos, and uh, Jota, who isn't really a striker but more of a winger. But let's not forget he was kind of the hero or one of the heroes of uh, that U19 victory in 2018. Uh, what did you make of Hui George's lineup? Uh, did you agree with it? Did you think that Thiago Tomas deserved to start over, over Leao as as well as uh, Ramos and Jota?
1: Yeah, I th- honestly, I thought he got everything spot on throughout the whole tournament. And you know, these selections, obviously, at left back, we saw uh, Thomas Tavares. You know, he wasn't great in the first game, and Abdul Conte came in, did r- quite well against. Spain and then held his spot in the final. Uh, we saw him select Florentino and Daniel Berganza and drop Jetson. I thought that was also a good call. And then, as you say, the other, I guess, surprise was Thiago Tomás. But I didn't see it as, as a surprise because he played quite well in the group stage, really alternating with, with Danny Motta there. And, you know, he hadn't had a start He looked quite good off the bench when he came on uh, against, uh, against Spain. So, you know, you got to look at it from Louis George's point of view. Also, he doesn't want to be completely predictable, and he wants to put a player in that's super hungry, super keen, and you know, give him a chance. So it wasn't a huge surprise. And you know, there's some there's some concerns with Rafael Leal and you know, Gonzalo Ramos. You know, maybe a little bit unlucky. He's he scored a goal in the first match, but you know, this is just basically Louis George trying to use his squad as best he he could. And, um, you know, I didn't think it was a huge surprise to start Tomas in the final.
0: Yeah, you, you brought up those concerns. Um, I, I thought it was interesting because Leal did get the start against Spain, playing alongside Dani Mota against Italy. It was Gonzalo Ramos who grabbed the goal. but was sort of a, was was not that involved, I would say, in the buildup, you know, kind of let the game pass him by in some ways, but he did grab a goal, un- unlike those other two. And then, of course, in the final, we saw Hui George go with Thiago Tomás. I would argue that, you know, if, if Francisco Trincao had not become sick with COVID-19, I, I think that he probably would be starting over both, but w- we'll never know. I want to get into your concerns about Rafael Leao because, you know, I actually tweeted about this last night. You know, the fact that Dani Mota, a player at Monza, and Gonzalo Ramos, a benchwarmer at Benfica, overshadowed Rafael Leo during the U21 years should serve as a wake-up call for him. He needs to drastically change the mentality or he'll be leaving Milan sooner rather than later. And F Talent Scout, a football talent scout, one of my favorite accounts on here, uh, you know, quoted it and agreed saying natural potential talent, 10 out of 10 approach slash commitment, three out of 10 talent without working hard is nothing. The mental side is extremely important. It's up to him now. And I believe uh, he will be able to turn turn things around. So I want to, I just want to touch up on Rafael because he isn't the reason why Portugal um, lost to this tournament. But I do think that the fact that, you know, a player like Leao who has done very well um, at, at Lille, and who has played who has played quite a lot of minutes at Milan. Uh, the fact that he was pretty much overshadowed by Doni Mota, a player who's in Serie B and who, who's never played in, in a top five league um, as well as you know even Thiago Tomash or, or, or Gonzalo Ramos, um, I don't know I, I think that it should it should give us pause and, and it should make us think because it really wasn't lo- that long ago that Rafael Leao was being considered, um, the best young Portuguese striker uh, ahead of the likes of Andre Silva and, and Fabio Silva, um, so on and so on. Uh, and, and now, I don't know, it, it just seemed like he's just lacking that intensity, both at, in Milan as well as for the Portuguese uh, U- U21 side. You know, he, he doesn't seem hungry enough. Uh, he seemed like, you know, when he was trotting off the pitch uh, against Spain that he really couldn't care less. Um, I don't know. I don't know. What do you you think about Leao? Uh, What do you think needs to change for him to, you know, make that step up and to to eventually get his um, senior debut under Fernando Santos?
1: Yeah, it seems to be all about attitude, mate. Um, You know, I was fortunate enough to be at the under-20 World Cup in Poland two years ago where they crashed out in the group stage and Liao played a lot, and I was quite up close and personal to to those to, the, to those three matches. And when I came away from it, trying to r- figure out how they didn't get through the group stage, they just, just 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 to take people back, they beat Korea, lost against Argentina, and then drew against uh, South Africa. Um, and the main thing I took away from that whole experience was that there was some attitude lacking in some of the players and the, the two players that sort of, I guess, stood out was, was Jetson and, and Rafael Leao. So I had those concerns two years ago and uh, I don't watch a whole lot of AC Milan, but I, you know, I kind of follow what he's doing and I've seen him, you know, highlights do some really good things. Um, and it just seems like, yeah, it just seems like there's a slight attitude problem. Maybe he thinks he's maybe too good for the under 21s or something like that uh, maybe feels like he should be in the, in the senior squad. I, I, I'm not sure. I haven't talked to him. I haven't talked to Jensen either. So I, I, I don't want to sort of jump to too many conclusions. And it can be a bit deceptive sometimes reading body language, but it does tend to point to a, a bit of an attitude deficiency at this point in time. Maybe he needs to just find that, 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 that coach to, to unlock his, he, that potential, his potential on that side. Um, but for sure, he's never really done anything for the for the youth teams in Portugal. He, he's never really stood out. He's never looked like a guy who um, justifies his, his his transfer fee or his his value, you might say. And as you said, you, you're putting him up against Mata, who's in City B. Thomas, who's just coming up. Gonzalo Ramos doesn't play much for Benfica. And he doesn't stand out uh, with either of those three guys, you know. So certainly worrying, and I guess time will tell. But yeah, I, I had concerns with with him two years ago, and I got to say they they're still there.
0: Yeah, I, I couldn't have put it better. I, I think that despite the loss in the final, I this this tournament definitely has has heightened my expectations for a lot of these players. Um, but I do think that if there's anybody who Whose whose value has has decreased or at least stayed the same over the course of this tournament? It's Rafael Leal. Um, You know, you look at you know other players such as Abdu Conte um, and you know and, and Daniel Braganza who have just really used this tournament as as a, a springboard and 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 you know helping them increase their value and compare it to uh, you know even even Jetson who I, I think. I, I, I was glad that he didn't start the final because I, I didn't think he was that impressive um, over the next two matches. But, you know, I, I, th- I think there's definitely a place for Jetson. Um, he, he is a hardworking player who, you know, I, I, I think actually could have made a difference as a starter, despite the fact that I, I didn't want him to start. I think that you know, given the fact that Portugal had to defend most of the match and you know were were had to basically hit on the counter, I actually think he might have been useful. Um, you know, in, in a possession heavy um, midfield, which which we've seen in previous matches, I think that the the best midfield is what Hui George went with. You know, Praganza, Vitinha, Fabio Vieira, and Florentino. But Jetson, you know, I, I think that he definitely has his value. Um, you know, and I want to, I want to touch up on him a bit because he had a fairly unsuccessful loan spell, um, at Tottenham. Uh, it seemed like really just one of those loan moves where, you know, you have no idea why he, why he ended up going there. Um, kind of seemed like a master from George Mendes, but. Went to uh, Galatasaray in in January and played a big part um, in their in their season. Uh, I'm curious, what do you think Benfica should do with Jetson?
1: Probably take the cash, um, get as much get as much as you can for him right now. I would say, uh, as I said, I had I had some concerns two years ago, and you know, yeah, you, you need to be a little bit mindful when you're critical of, of players that you know. If you don't know them, if you don't talk to them, if you don't really get an insight into their their childhood and who they are, and there's so many variables that make up a, a human being. And, you know, they might mature a bit later than others. There might be so much going on off the field you just don't know about. So a lot of those things can affect the perception of, of what you see on the pitch. But, you know, with the potential that he showed a few years ago, he certainly... You know, gone downhill. Not not a huge way, but I definitely, I definitely as soon as I, I heard that move to Tottenham, I just thought, well, this is pointless for everybody involved. Just a complete waste of time, really. And you know, as he, as you said, he's gone to Galatasaray and and done some 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 okay things. But you know, you don't see a lot of things on television. And I was fortunate enough to be. Very, very close to Louis George in the first game against Italy, and he was absolutely furious with Jetson on a number of occasions. Really, absolutely furious with him, just screaming at him because he has attributes that remind you of a teenager that's got that little selfish streak, and you know he 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 does selfish things occasionally. And what I gathered from what Louis George was trying to get uh, over to him was you get the feeling that he doesn't follow the tactics of the team instructions sometimes. And he just wants to sort of do his own thing. Um, that's the impression I get anyway, maybe he only does that with the other 21s as it could be some sort of a little bit of superior already complex. As you see, you know, he's already played for the senior team. He might be thinking that's where he should be. Again, this is all just speculation. I don't, I don't like being super critical after going to so many matches and standing next to players and talking to them, you know, you really have a different perception about being critical about players. But, you know, sometimes you just want to give your opinion and sometimes it's, I guess, justified. And it, it, as long as you explain it, as I think I have. So that's my opinion on, on Jetson. Uh, he could obviously turn this around and reach his potential and, and, and get to a, a big club. But at the moment, his trajectory is uh, is going in the opposite direction.
0: Yeah, the only the only Portuguese match I've ever been to... Um, was actually a cup match between Benfica and Huav, uh, in the, at the start of 2018-19 season. I think that was like right around Jedson's peak. Honestly, he looked so good then, um, and you would you would have expected him to take that leap um, to the next level under Bruno Lodge, but he really didn't. Now it it seems like he he isn't going to be considered um, a part of, Flor- of of George Jesus's plans. Um, and there are actually rumors that be- Besiktas uh, want to buy him. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, I want to ask you about the other players who who contributed a lot, um, or, or somewhat at least, to, to, Benfica, to, to Portugal's U21 euros journey, um, but who haven't had much space in Benfica, shall we say. So Florentino Luis, you know, was, didn't start every single match, but uh, did get the start... As as the holding midfielder in the final, um, I thought he did okay. I, I he did. I remember he lost a possession in a dangerous area and nearly gave away um, a goal. But in general, you know, he he was he was decent, and I think uh, he, overall he proved why he can be an important player for Benfica. There was him. There was Tomás Tavares, which as you mentioned, you know, got the start at left back. Um, and didn't really do that well. Lost his place to Abdu Conte, which I think was the right decision. Um, Tavares coming off uh, two loan spells uh, at, at Deportivo Alaves and uh, recently relegated Ferenc. Uh So there's him. And uh, there's also Gonzalo Ramos, a player who uh, has, has done quite well with limited opportunities, I would argue, um, under George Jesus. But... I think may very well be set for a loan move or even a permanent transfer this summer. Um, and finally, Joao Felipe, or, or Jota, who was, as we mentioned, you know one of the heroes of that U19 side in 2018 um, and spent the past season on loan at Real Valladolid. Um, so talk to me about, about these players. Where do you think they fit in, uh, if any, uh, to Jorge Jesus' team next season at Benfica?
1: Well, I don't, yeah, Thomas Tavares is an interesting player. He's he's versatile. I don't think left back is 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 his best position. You know, there was a few in, in instances in in the first match against Italy where, you know, he went down there and tried to cross it with his left foot. Small sample size, but it was nowhere near. And you know, having a natural left footer in that position is definitely an, an advantage. Um, I haven't seen a lot of him. He, he seems to be one of those typical, you know fullbacks that likes to attack and is a bit deficient in on in the defensive end. But I don't see him getting into Benfica's team anytime really soon. Uh, who else? we got Florentino. Well, he had huge potential. I mean, he's been basically a rock, a first player on the team sheet for Portuguese youth teams all throughout the different levels. But, of course, he just made a disastrous decision to go to Monaco. I'd love to know how that came about, how that whole decision got made, who was influencing him. And yeah, because it was just a complete disaster and he's just, he's lost a whole year of his development basically. So it was no surprise when Louis George dropped him in the group stage and then didn't pick him to start in the knockout stage. Um, he's just off the pace. He's just not sharp and he was very lucky that, you know, the vets shot, hit the, hit the, the bar and bounced, it looked like a couple of centimeters away because he just gave the ball away too easy. And he gave it away too easy again later on, um, when Portugal was sort of chasing the game. That was it, it a worst turnover I thought, which is you know, it's something you can't really do in his position. But it's no surprise that he's just a a, a split second off the pace and in that holding midfield position against against the teams like, like Germany who were who are looking for that and who know that you know you, you just can't do it. But you can see why Louis George started him in, in the in the final because they needed more defensive. Stability, they needed more protection for the fullbacks, which they didn't get against Spain. And they didn't get uh, in the goal that Germany scored. But, you know, you can see why he started him. But, yeah, he needs to get out of Monaco for sure. And I don't think he's, now that he's lost all this momentum, how, how is he going to get back and start for Benfica? Like, if I was Benfica, I just would have kept him and played him and not worried about uh, signing, um, uh, for some reason, I can't think of the guy's, the German bloke's name. I don't know why. Give, it, give me his name, Fabrizio <laughs> Dortmund. Oh, his name. Michael. Michael, yeah. Um, yeah, I just would have played Florentino, and seen him try to get him developed. He, he might have, you know, stepped up and, and, and got that position. So he's he's got a huge problem now. Jota is a guy who's always, you know, done really well and, and looked really sharp for the, for the youth teams. He scored some really important goals. Always looks lively. Always looks like he's going to create something dangerous and, And he joined a bad team in the league. I think he had some some injury issues too. So that didn't help his development. But I tend to rate him higher than other people. Uh, I'm not sure why. I I don't know why people sort of give him a hard time. But I, I like his game. I like what he has to offer. And I can see him doing well, but he I'm not sure if he's going to get that chance at Benfica. He might have to, to go elsewhere for that. And the other guy was Gonzalo Ramos. Well, he scored the most goals for the under-19 team in that in that campaign. He can, he can clearly play. As you say, he didn't do a whole lot in that first game. It was the, the Danny Motta show, really, against Italy, but that was pretty much just the, where the ball was falling. I think he, he was making good runs and opening that space for, for Motta to get into and, you know, he took his goal really well. He was he was on the spot to to finish it first time. And, you know, it was kind of obvious that even though he did score that goal, that Rui George was going to have to give um, Rafael Leao and Thiago Tomas some, some game time. And he wasn't really going to play Ramos ahead of Mota. So it was kind of inevitable that his role would get diminished a bit. But, again, I don't see uh George is giving him much of a chance uh there's a lot of these guys that are gonna have to get out of their clubs you know there's from, from other teams we'll we'll get on them but um I think all those four guys are gonna have to do something away from Benfica and get more playing time to be to be able to develop and then you know well, you've seen so many players who have who' been at top three clubs in Portugal and then gone to to other teams and then now they're they're sort of you know Sporting have got a couple of them, um, so those four guys might have to do the same thing.
0: Yeah, I I agree um, with regards to Tavares. I think that Tavarish, um as well as Jota, I think they would they might be better served either leaving on permanent transfers or um, or going on loan to a mid-table Portuguese side. Um, I think that's kind of a, a more would, would definitely be more of uh, an easier jump for them. Um, with regards to Florentino, though, I, I think that he has a role to play. Um, I think that looking at Benfica's midfield options, I, I don't know what you think, but for me, I think that's the area that they need to be reinforcing the most this summer. Um, you know, outside of Weigel, I don't think their options are that good. I mean, I Gabriel, Tarbat, uh, PZ, Samaris. You know, I I don't I don't know if if George Jesus is going to win a league a title with those guys. So personally, I think that Florentino. Um, I I know that Al Mushrati of Braga is is being seen as an option as well as there's some other links to Steven Lucchetti of Passo Gifera Personally, I would actually just love to see. Florentino being given um, a shot in the first team because I think he he could form a very effective a double pivot with Weigel um, yes it might be a little too defensive but I just think that he's he's a very good prospect and I think he's worth uh, being given an opportunity um, but completely agree with you with the with the Monaco thing because Monaco have some very good midfielders in Aurelian Schwamini uh, Yusuf Ufana, Sofian Diop, Cesc And, you know, if, if you think that Nico Kovac is going to give a loney from Benfica, who doesn't even have that much senior experience, uh, consistent minutes over Florentino Luis, you know, it, it just really did not make any sense whatsoever. He would have been so much better off uh, going to a Mourin inch, going to a Gilles Vicente, you know, I, I don't know, going to a uh, Kio Um, I lost you,
1: mate. Can
0: you hear me? Can you hear me? Hello?
1: Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, mate, we just cut out somehow. You were just talking about um, Florentino at Benfica.
0: Okay, yeah. So, take it from the top. Um, I, I do think that Florentino Luis would be a good option for Benfica, you know, but, but as you mentioned, the Monaco loan was just a ridiculous move uh, from all parties, from Benfica, from Florentino's standpoint. Uh, He isn't going to a player who's on loan from Benfica and who doesn't have that much senior experience. He isn't going to get picked over over great midfielders like Aurelien Chouamani or Yusuf Hupana or Sofian Andiopo or Cesc Fabregas you know, so it was a very poor move um, he would have been much better served going out on loan to a Mourinho inch, to a Basso Cifaira to a uh, Gil Vicente you know, to a Bélin Uh so, and I think that might be the best move for Gonzalo Ramos as well, uh, getting playing time in the Portuguese top flight, uh, we'll see what happens but I, I do think that given Benfica's other midfield options, I don't know. I feel like uh, he he does have a role to play if Jorge Jesus is willing to have him. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, but I want to switch gears for a moment. I want to talk about uh, some Porto players who who had a very big role to play um, in in this run to the final. Um, we we saw how you know Vitinha. Despite his costly uh, error, um, you know, of course, was one of the best players in the entire tournament. Uh, a player who uh, developed in Porto's Academy and who made the move to Wolves. Uh, looks like it's going to be made permanent for 20 million euros. Uh, Fabio Vieira, a player came through. Porto's academy, but hasn't had that much luck um, under Sergio Conceição. Chico Conceição, Conceição's son, of course, who's had a breakthrough season um, at Porto, as well as Romario Barro and Diogo Leite, two players who haven't really gotten much uh, game time at the senior level, alongside Diogo Costa, by my money, the best goalkeeper in the entire tournament, and Diogo Queiroz, um, who came through Porto's academy, but didn't get any opportunities and eventually left for Famalicão. Um, so I, I, I do think that uh, this this tournament has shown um, that there's really so much talent in Porto's academy. Um, and I, I don't know what, what what do you think? I want to I want to focus on Vitinha because he did have that costly error, um, and yet I think that he showed why he can be such an important player and I think potentially even the long-term replacement for João Moutinho both at club and international level. What, what did you make of Boutinho's tournament?
1: Yeah, he's he's had he's really come on leaps and bounds. He's been a, a rapid improver over the last year or so um, and yeah, you, you, you can't really, you're not going to judge a, a guy on one, one moment in a game but it was a, a high-pressure situation and, and I actually hadn't seen the replays until I got back to my hotel and I just kept watching it over and over and over again and wondering how he just didn't roll the ball across the, uh, because when I saw it live, I, I thought, shoot, shoot, why didn't you shoot? But then when I saw the replay, it looked like, you know, the shooting option wasn't actually that great, but you know, he could have rolled it across and it was just a tap in for two different guys. But yeah, we've got to talk about that, but we don't want to define him by that moment, but it was a high pressure situation. And I, 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 I get the feeling if it was, uh, if it was uh, Tincao, that's a goal, and if that was Fabio Vieira, that's also a goal. So that's something to maybe think about and something to look at if we see you know him in another massive high pressure situation. But he's got tremendous potential. He's a great box to box midfielder. His passing is excellent. Very smart player. His movement's good. He's he's good in the challenge. So he's got all the attributes for a, a, a central midfielder. Um, and I hope that he gets the the playing time that he deserves. At uh, if he stays at Wolves, that is. And, yeah, he's got he's got massive potential. Um, you want me to give my opinion on the other Porto players?
0: Well, yeah, f- first off, uh, no, I, I completely agree. I think that uh, the error, I think, was not making – as you said, the shooting option was not really there. Um, you know, I think that if he did shoot it, it would have been blocked. Um, I, I think that, obviously, a Trincao would have had a better shot. Um, he's just that – more effective in the final third but you know I I think that Vitinha's error not so much being selfish but really just not making a decision quicker not pulling the trigger quick enough I think I think for me he should have just uh tried to slide it across goal um and and try to find but yeah what what do you think of of the others that that I brought up about you know Barro Costa um Diogo late do you think they have a future at Porto
1: I think they should put Diogo Costa straight into the starting side. I would just develop him. You know, I, I wouldn't think there's much difference between between him and uh, Augustin Mar- and Marquesin. So I would just give Diogo Costa the starting spot straight away. I think he's he's got a huge future. I mean, he, he was just sensational in, in the final, but he, he really never puts a foot wrong. You know, hardly ever see him do anything suspect or you never get nervous. He, he just, he's really, really solid. So he's got a huge future. You'd have to imagine he's probably next in line after Patricio, when you consider how long Patricio is likely to be holding onto the senior job. So, I would put him straight into the starting side. Diego late. I've always been worried about him and you know nervous when the ball goes anywhere near him. But he was sensational in the semi final. He really stood up and and made so many clearances and was. Really up for the fight. And another thing people don't see is that when you go there as a as a journalist, obviously you get there early and, and you can watch the the warm up. And they do a lot of different, you know, uh, routines or whatever. And he was just on fire in the warm up, and he just took that straight into the game, and he was sensational. My my opinion of him really raised or went up high after that that one performance. He was was pretty good in the final too. Um, so. Yeah, I guess my opinion of him is is changed for the better after those two games. So hopefully he can he can step up and get more playing time at at Porto. I always thought Diego Kedosh was the better player. Um so I was a little bit surprised that, you know, Porto offloaded him and, and kept late, but you know, obviously they they see those two guys day in, day out, and they've been there with the youth set up for so many years. So you've got to respect that decision. But my opinion over the years has been that Kadosh was was likely to have the, the better future, but he still might. I don't know, but uh, we'll have to see what he does with it. for Malakawa. They'll hopefully go a lot better next season and maybe he can play a, a key role in that. You've also got Fabio Vieira, who, yeah I've, been, yeah, I've been waxing lyrical about him for, for ages now, so long and you know, really happy that he won the award not too happy that he had to win the award on, on a losing team but he's a sensational player you know he's just he's so smart he's technically so good he he can read he can see things that, that 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 are going to happen before they happen you know i mean he was close to scoring from the halfway line equalizing from the halfway line it wasn't that far away really caught catching the keeper off his line and he executed it mm-hmm pretty pretty well and trust me said, imagine if they had a gone in so um, you know and you've seen him so cool under pressure you know in, in that first knockout game he, you know, I guess it was a bit un, unfair to judge Vitinha against uh, Trinkau and Fabio Vieira because both those players are natural, more natural attackers and it's I guess normal that they're going to be more composed in that situation but yeah, Fabio Vieira has got a, a huge future, but he has to again, like some of the other Benfica players we spoke about, he probably has to get out of Porto. I, I'm not sure that he's a he's a player unless Constantino has been watching <laughs> these games and maybe figuring out how to fit him into the team. But Constantino seems to like those those workhorses, you know those. Fabio Vieira is more of a, more of a flair player, more of a, a guy you've got to give freedom to. You, you've got to give him the keys to the team and, you know, it's, I'm not sure he's going to get enough opportunities. He can also play on the wing and then play that Tvinko role also. So uh, what is in his favor is that he, he's versatile. So I think he's got huge potential. I think he's probably got the most potential out of anyone in this, in this squad or, or the squad that played in the, in the knockout rounds. He's just got to be very, very smart about what he does now with his career. Um, not a huge rush, but still, you know, we've seen so many players. He's going to be, he's going to be 22 at the end of June. So, you know, it's time to make a move. He's, he's going to make it happen. So. Get get onto your agent. Talk to Conseil South. Figure out what's going on and make that move if it's not going to be beneficial for him to stay at Porto. Uh, Romario Barro is, you know, shown good potential too. Hasn't got the playing time probably he deserves either. So, you know, again, I uh, don't know if he's going to get enough playing time at Porto. Probably got to get out of there as well and and make a move. You know, there's, there's so many decent teams you can kind of join at the moment. You could go to Guimarães. They should really be up fighting for fifth position. You've got... Passes to Freire doing okay. Going to get heaps of heaps of game time there. Uh, for Malacan, probably wouldn't be a bad place to go either. But there's some decent options outside the top four. And, of course, a lot of these guys could probably, Braga could use them as well. Most of these guys, or some of them we've talked about. So um, I think Fabio Vieira's got massive, massive potential. He just has to make some, some good moves for his career. And uh, did I miss any other... Porto players, oh, Francisco Contesau. Um, Yeah, he's got massive future too. I love, I love, uh, keep in mind he's come off the bench against, you know, tiring opposition and getting heaps of space out there, but he looks really good. He looks really good. I love his technical ability. I love his, uh, his willingness to take on players and his ability to, to dribble past players. You see that missing from some of the other Portuguese forwards. Liao being one of them. And you, you, know, obviously he's had a great education, not only in, in, in what it takes to be a professional footballer to get to the highest level, but he's, you know, being the son of the coach, you, you've got a lot to prove. You, you've got to constantly put in that extra effort and he does that and he does it well. And I think, he's going to get opportunities and I think I think he could have a really big future I'm really really interested to see what happens with Constantine sale next season and uh, he's still very young what is he 18 he'd be 19 oh, sorry I was looking at contract my bad so but he's uh, still still very young and got a lot of uh, a lot of uh, time to develop so there's no rush for him to go anywhere for sure especially when your dad's the coach so he won't be going anywhere um but yeah i think he's got bright future and i, I really hope that he can uh, he can develop over the next couple of years and we might see him in two years you know really be the leader of this this uh, under 21 team under 20 walk up i'm assuming they'll go to as well so um really looking forward to see his development
0: yeah to be quite honest with you i i wasn't so much you know, I was rooting for Portugal, but I wasn't so much sad that they lost the game. as I'm sad that really this cycle comes to an end. Players who've been playing alongside each other for like six, seven years, and have' won so much and have just done so much for Portuguese football, uh, this is really their last dance. So uh, it's it's just sad to see uh, it end um, and and and, yeah, uh, I think it's especially, uh, One that I'm, that I'm most sad to see Is the two Diogos in defense In the center of defense Diogo Queiroz and Diogo Leite uh, Two players who, you know, had played together I think when they were, what, like Nine years old um, At Les Choice, uh, Who, you know, eventually made the move to Porto's Academy and, you know, came through the ranks Won the UEFA Youth League there um, Of course, we saw Right after that victory, we saw Diogo Queiroz making the move to Mushkron in Belgium on loan um before joining Family um on a free transfer, although I believe that Porto have I think fifty percent of his economic rights. Um, so yeah, it's, and, and yet, you know, despite the fact that they, they haven't been playing together this season, you did see that chemistry, you know, you saw that, uh, in so many games. Um, so I, I'm going to miss that pairing of the two, uh, of the two Diogos in defense, but, you know, I I
1: think, Uh, sorry, I just wanted to say that, yeah, I think when a lot of people have asking for this player to be in the squad, that player in the squad, they don't understand that, you know, these two central defenders have been there throughout the whole youth levels of yeah. Portugal. And you just don't break up that partnership for the sake of it. You know, you, you just don't break up that chemistry because it's really hard to get chemistry on an international level, especially when you've got other players in the team coming in and out. You've you obviously got your rocks and your... You, you know, you're solid starters, but you know you got you got players getting called up for the national team. You got players losing form. You need that stability, and especially in that position. And you know these guys, you know, they were born like three weeks or two two something weeks away from each other. Uh, Diego late born in, in Porto, and uh, Keros in Matosinhos, which is basically a suburb of, of, of Porto. And as you mentioned, you know, they they had this almost identical path all the way through to Porto. And you know, uh, Keros has now made that split to uh for malacal but you know you can imagine these guys are going to be sharing a lot of uh uh, sardinias on the barbecue over the over the the next decades because yeah that they've been like like brothers since since day one so yeah it is a it is a shame that they're going to uh get split up but you know you never know what's going to happen in the future but people really need to keep that in mind that you know part of any international manager particularly at the youth level is you don't want to break up these partnerships, you know, and they, they, they fully justified that by keeping those three clean, clean sheets in the group stage and playing a big role and and, and keeping Spain out, uh, in the semi-final.
0: Yeah. Are, are we going to see uh, late going to Famalicaba this summer just to keep the, keep the brotherhood alive?
1: <laughs> well, if Porto don't want him and they're not going to give him a chance, um, then yeah. If you were, if you were managing, if you're, if you were, you know, the scouting and the, and the, the transfer guru at Famalicão, yeah,
0: exactly. I think you're absolutely right, though. I think that Kadosh, uh, you know, despite the fact that he wasn't getting much in the way of playing time uh, at Famalicão, you know, he wasn't like really a he, he wasn't, shall we say, a um, uh, a, 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 one of the first names on the team sheet, under Evo Vieira. Um, I believe it was Bobic and Sergeon Bobic and Richelli who, who came through, uh, who, who were starting for the most part. Um, so you had those two. But despite the fact that, you know, Gonzalo nacio was starting for sporting, the uh, best team, the best defense in Europe's top 10 leagues, statistically, I don't think you can break up that that defensive pairing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree with, with pretty much all of what you said. Uh, and that brings me to the next part of our discussion. So, Sergio Conceição, <laughs> drumroll, drumroll, just got mm-hmm. renewed. He is going to. He has just signed on for a new contract um, as Portugal manager, as as Porto manager, uh, until 2024. Um, what do you make of this? Given what we've seen from so many promising Porto youngsters, you know, such as late Costa. Fabio Vieira, players who really haven't gotten much in the way of playing time there. Do you think this is the right decision for Porto?
1: Well, you just don't know what's going on behind the scenes. You know, it's just, we only see the we only see what's in the shop window. And, yeah, I think there were some rumours that he was, you know, getting courted by, was it Napoli or Lazio, one of the Italian oh, teams, I'm not sure. Um, so I, I actually expected him to move. I, I was kind of fortunate before... Uh, The coronavirus that I I was taking quite a few trips to Porto and was fortunate enough to see quite a a lot of games there in in the Europa League. I saw them play Rangers and Leverkusen and obviously sat in on the media uh, press conferences and and feel a bit sorry for him at times. He (laughs) seems to be pretty uh, pissed off at a lot of the questions he gets. Really interesting the different cultures of of journalists how different countries the journalists of different countries tend to approach things and it it seems to me that he's just really tired of being in in that portuguese atmosphere i'm not not sure if i was reading it right but you know he's got a lot to prove doesn't he you know he's got the title to win now he's got the i don't know i'm not sure if they can do any better in the the champions league they they exceeded expectations there but you know he's obviously going to try and rebuild this team now he might have eyes on on bringing his son through and doing something magical there. That that could be a part of it. It could be a big part of it, actually. And um, yeah, I, I'm not sure what other options the Porto were looking at. I'm sure they had other. You have to have other guys on the on your plan uh, just in case he, he left. So I'm not sure who they are looking at or how this has come about. But obviously, he's got a huge history there and. You know, you've got Sporting to dethrone now, so, you know, that'll, his mind will be on that. And uh, I wouldn't discount that link with his son being an important part of his decision.
0: Yeah. I, I also just think that Conceição Chico's performances in the first team should give uh, Sergio Conceição a pause and, and, you know, make him realize, look, there are plenty of players in your academy who are not being utilized well enough and that need minutes um you know i, I saw a rumor of flip of shortage uh, of porto you know potentially getting him flip try is a good player who on motor and we've talked about a lot but i don't think he played a single minute um in the u21 euros knockout round correct me if i'm wrong uh and, you know, compare that to guys like Vitinha and Fabio Vieira, who are actually starring uh, for for Portugal's uh, U21 years. I, I don't know. I just, for me, I can understand why they would want to renew Sergio Conceição. You know, he brings stability. He brings a team that almost always is going to challenge for the title. Maybe not win it, but challenge for it. And given the fact that you know, Conceição's appointment came on the back of Benfica's dynasty and and the fact that he really managed to rein that in and you know win um, two league titles. Okay, I can understand why you'd want to renew him and you know maintain that stability. But part of me is just like, man, what if they brought in a coach who was actually willing to give players like Fabio, like Diogo Costa, uh, the the opportunities that they deserved? I, I don't know. It's it's just. It's a head scratcher, but yeah, I
1: mean, uh, I mean, this is, this is key to any football team, any sporting team in any sport is that you have to bring the young guys through and not only for a financial point of view, but you know, a cultural point of view, but you know, it's just such an obvious thing and so many teams just do it so badly. And the, obviously the blueprint has been laid by Ruben Amorim at, at Sporting. He, he's done it exceptionally well. And look at the, re, the the rewards he's got. won a title. And look at how many of the, these players that he's brought through uh, uh, have increased massively in value. And h- how, how many years, decades was Sporting buying these 27-year-olds, 28-year-olds, tw- just these average, average, average players thinking you're going to turn, you know, a rock into a diamond or something, just completely pointless. The whole philosophy, completely, completely pointless. And you see Benfica and Porto basically um, making similar mistakes, right? Not not giving enough time to the youngsters and buying these, these average players from abroad. And um, yeah, maybe we will see, I don't, I'm not too, Confident, we're going to see a whole lot of it. Maybe his son will somehow be a the spark for him to maybe give some of the youngsters uh, more more of a chance. But you know, I'm sure he sees a lot of these guys. They've got their second team. You know, he he, he knows all these guys' attributes. But um, yeah, you do think that, that Benfica and Porto have you know uh, lagged on bringing their, their youth players through and giving more of them a chance obviously they they've sold a lot too which you you can't really fault them for both teams have you know sold a lot of their, their their youth players to to the premier league and other places and that also has to be taken into account but yeah it will be interesting to see what happens at, at porto and, and what happens with some of these youngsters you know i just sort of Somehow, but I was thinking about Fabio Vieira and his his future there. I, I was thinking about the is it, was it Nakamura or Nakajima? I can't remember the, the Japanese bloke's name, but um, He you know he just wasn't a, a konsei star player. Right. Just you know, and, and Vieira fits that kind of mould. You know, who, so who who is a konsei player? <laughs> when well, like, you look at them, you know Marega, Tiquinho, like these right. you know these these workhorses, you know tough, strong, get in, get in there, fight. You know, it doesn't like these pretty little, you know, dancing, technical players. It doesn't, it doesn't seem to anyway. Um, you know, so that just seems to be my perception of, of Porto, but um, you know, time will tell they've obviously had their financial issues, which has led them to, to sell some important players. I was actually surprised they went so close after, after Alex Tillich to he was such a, a key player for them I still think their best player is uh, Ottavio but um, yeah, that's for another, another discussion yeah
0: and um, you know for people who think we're being like, disrespectful or, or unfair to Conceito, let me just say I, I don't think that Chico or, or Francisco his progress is, is due to favoritism like, this is a very good player that we're talking about Um, And he deserves those opportunities. But uh, Fabio Vieira, uh, Vitinha, who's, you know, I think, in my opinion, on that same level of talent, deserves those opportunities as well. Um, Info coming out recently from Bruno Andrade, Fabio Vieira is actually uh, in the list of of options um, that Liverpool are looking at. Uh, and they're, they are reportedly interested in him after his after his fantastic performance in the U21 Euros Porto are trying to renew his contract past the current expiry date of June 2022 but you know one to keep an eye on
1: I think um, well, well yeah of course he's going to be you know shot to, to prominence now um, but yeah I mean if you're watching him closely this was obvious you know more than a year ago really so you know, I think a lot of clubs should be improving their scouting network and not waiting until a bloke wins player of the tournament at an under-21 European Championship to, to realise he's uh, he's got a lot of potential. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. But I definitely think, you know, he's, he's in a, he needs to work out what, what he's best. I asked, I asked uh, louis George about him um, after, the, after the final. And, you know, it's obviously he's got stuff to work on, which... Uh, george acknowledged it's obviously the defensive part of his game and um yeah maybe some positional stuff like that but you 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 cannot question his his vision and that's what really separates all the the elite players is that they can see things before they're going to happen and they know where the ball's going before it comes to them and they can execute the pass long short over the top through it doesn't matter he can do it all and he hasn't really played that much first team football so the sky is really the limit for him, but he has to be super smart about where he goes if it's uh, not staying in Portland.
0: Is Liverpool a smart move for him?
1: Uh, I don't think so. Not right now. Right. Um, yeah. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think so. I can't see how he's going to get into that team. now. he just hasn't played enough. Where, where, where are you going to put him? Are you gonna, if you're going to play him as a winger, I can, I can see why a lot of uh, teams would see him as the next Terinkau. I can really see that. And he probably has a little bit more versatility than Tinkal, you might say. So I can see why people would be looking at him as a more of a financial thing where, you know, you get him for what you can now and then you're going to make a big profit on him. But you're going to have to play him to get that profit. And I don't see that happening in Liverpool just yet. But um, it's certainly interesting that a club like that would be looking at him.
0: Yeah, it's just, it is very frustrating though. Looking at George Jesus, looking at Sergio Consiglio, their really their inability to take advantage of these massive talents. Um, obviously, they haven't done enough to walk into the starting lineup. But I do think that when you look at the options that they're competing against, uh, I don't know. I, I think that uh, I, I think that it this this tournament should definitely give both of them pause. Um, so moving moving on though, I you know there is a coach who I think has actually done a fairly good job. Of, of giving youngsters talent, uh, of giving young talents uh, consistent opportunities in the first team. And it looks like after, uh, you know, one or two years of waiting, it looks like he is going to be uh, managing a top-level club soon. Um, and that is Bruno Lodge. So Bruno Lodge, um, you know, af- after a do- after a year and a half Um, at Benfica was sacked um, after the 2019-20 season and and replaced um, by uh, Jorge Jesus and now it looks like he's going to replace uh, Nuno Espirito Santo at Wolverhampton no surprises that they are going with um, a Portuguese manager obviously with the links that they have with Jorge Menz Um, but you know Bruno Lodge coming to the Premier League, I think very interesting move, um, and it seems all but certain that he will be the next Wolves manager. Talk to me about Lodge. Talk to me, what do you think of, of this potential move uh, to Molyneux?
1: I would be a bit worried if I was a Wolves supporter, to be honest. I mean, it's normal for a lot of managers to come in and have a you know, really good run of results. He certainly did that in early well, it was 2019, just kept winning and winning and winning with Benfica. But, you know, the downhill slide was, uh, was quite alarming. Right. And, um, you know, it just, it just was, it was terrible towards the end. It was really, really bad. I think I'm just looking at, yeah, you know, he won like two, two of his last 13 games in charge of Benfica. And that's a huge concern, you know, um, I thought he they, they sort of they should have let him go before it, it got to that stage, but that was just my opinion. But I wouldn't be that that pumped if I was a wall supporter, to be honest. Um I I just wouldn't be seeing it as a great long-term option. But I, I just think there'd be way, way more experienced managers out there. Uh that that's just my opinion anyway, but um Clearly, he's uh, he's got a lot of talent to to do what he did, but I just think you always have to be a bit wary of you know managers coming in and having that, that honeymoon period, and then just the huge downhill slide, and they, they just have no way of sort of turning it around. And what you also need to be extremely careful about when you're judging managers is that you know a lot of the success that they they can have is can can be due to one or two players, um, and, and you might have seen that with um, with with Felix as well, but. Yeah. Um yeah, I'm not I'm not no, not too not too keen on that. I wouldn't be if I was a wall support. I'd be a bit worried, but who knows? If I've been wrong before, mate, and I'll be wrong again. <laughs>
0: I think, yeah, I, I I share your doubts, but you know, to be fair, this this Lodge, Bruno Lodge has been uh maybe not coaching at the top level, but he has been working as a coach for um I think in two and a half decades at this point. Um, you know, he, he obviously served um, as a, an assistant uh, to Carlos Carvalhal on Match Sheffield Wednesday in Swansea City. Uh, I believe he actually started working with Carvalhal when they were in, uh, I think, the Middle East, um, if, if I'm not mistaken. Or I, I but then, anyways, going to uh, Benfica. And um, working with their B team, eventually replacing Hui Vitoria. Um, and yeah, as you mentioned, it was very much a hot and cold uh, streak for um, for Lodge, who you know lasted a lot less um, as as coach than George Jesus or, or Hui Vitoria. Um, but you know had a red hot start and really just kind of outscoring teams for fun. Um, with that, you know, crop of youngsters that had come through, such as Ferro, um, Joel Felix, Florentino Luiz, um, but Felix, you know, leaving, I think, definitely was a huge blow for them. And uh, you know, it, it, it was, you know, the the end of Lodge's uh, time at Benfica. Um, I'm not exaggerating; it, it was relegation form. I mean, it, it was. Absolutely terrible, and I think they probably should have uh, cut the cord um, before. Although, you know, of course, the stoppage of football made it a bit tricky.
1: Um, but a lot of his defeats came against the good. You know, I mean, he lost to Porto in right. um, Braga, Shakhtar in the in the uh, in the Europa League, and you know, lost a. But but the, but the, the, the end of the season, I mean, it was just terrible. It was just so, so bad to watch. I mean, it was just this ugly all over the pitch, ugly. And, you know, it was just, it seemed to me so sort of obvious that the slide was not going to be able to be turned around. I mean, that happens to basically every manager before they get sacked, but he's, you know, it's not the first, certainly not the last, but I just think with the talent at his disposal, um, there wasn't really a whole lot of excuses for that. And, it, you know, it was a bit alarming that he couldn't find a way to, to turn it around, and it just kept going downhill.
0: Yeah, looking at, you know, there are quite a few other uh, Portuguese managers available, such as Paulo Fonseca. I you, you think that they would have been better off going with, you know, an, another manager such as uh, potentially Abo Ferreira on Palmeiras or... Um, I don't know, so Marco Silva even. I mean, if, if you had to pick a Portuguese manager that's, you know, realistic um, for them, who, who would you have gone with?
1: Oh, That's a tough one. I mean, there's so many candidates, I guess, you know, out there. So Marco Silva obviously had his problems at, at Everton and right. some, you know, some other issues, I guess. But if I guess if it's just going to be exclusively... Portuguese managers, which is, <laughs> it, probably, it probably will be. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what he's doing at the moment, but uh, you know, I was, I was, I remember watching him, uh, Estoril, and uh, he was doing great things there and, you know, he's done some really excellent things. There's so much that goes on behind the scenes of why things don't work out for certain managers, you know, whether it's conflicts with other, you know, like people higher than them in the club or not enough control or whatever it is. You just don't know really. Um, and as players, uh, as are with managers, you know, sometimes that, that right environment uh, could just be the spark that he needs. And, and obviously, if it is a Portuguese manager, they're, they're going to have so much connection and, and knowledge about a lot of these players too. And that's going to be a, a big advantage there. So I'm not too sure, man. I don't really have a, a great answer. Um, yes, all sure. of them. <laughs> I, guess, I guess all of them, you know, have been sacked. But... Uh, every manager has to go through that and, and bounce back. So, who knows? They got to they got to take a chance somewhere, and hopefully, it it, it works out for them. And um, I'm really not sure if it'll be large or Marco Silva or someone else from a from somewhere else. who already is in a job, so I guess we'll just wait and see.
0: I'm a, yeah, I, I I share your doubts, but I'm excited to see how this goes because I do think that um I think that Vitinha. You know, we saw him getting a lot of playing time after the 21 year group stage under Nuno Espirito Santo, and I really think that he could be a key player under Lodge, given his ability, given his history with young players. You know, you hear some of the quotes from, from these young players that he's worked with, um, and they really just leave glowing reviews. You know, so many players who who say, like, um, you know, like, who who just, who, who really owe, um, I think, a large part um, of, of their development uh, to Lodge. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I'm um, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to be cynical here, but uh, I do think that the the biggest reason why he is going to be the next Wolves manager is because of his connections with George Mendes. Um, George Mendes practically runs that club. And I think that, you know, the fact that Lodge um someone who is willing to give these young players opportunities, I think that we'll certainly be seeing uh, – I, I think that you would find less resistance with Lodge, you know, giving a starting spot to, to a Mendes client, uh, a player who who ha- hasn't gotten much playing time. Um, I, I think you'd see more of that than, for example, if, if Conce Sal came in, right? Um, so I, I do think that's going to be um, – a big part of why of of why Lodge is going to be hired is you know the fact that he's willing to uh give chances and you know that's that's modern football uh you know what, whatever you whatever you think about it you know that's that's I think for me that's the biggest reason why
1: um, oh yeah you got Fabio Silva also a massive investment for them and i think you could maybe look at uh at Thomas Tuchel uh, you know i think a part of the reason Chelsea got him was because he, he knew already had a quite uh, a good knowledge of some of their, their players that they spent big money on and they were in heavily invested in. And he's obviously gone there and turned that around and, and turned the, uh, you know, the performances of some of those players around. And yeah, it'd be logical for, uh, for Wolves to, to be thinking the same thing with Bruno Lage and, and a lot of their, uh, their, their Portuguese talent.
0: Yeah, absolutely. One manager who I gotta say I'm surprised he wasn't considered for a bigger role because recently, uh, after about two years of waiting, finally got announced um, as with with a new with a new job. Leonardo Jardim going to Al Hilal uh, as manager, um, going to Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, and managing them. Uh, what do you think of this move for Jardim? Are you surprised that he didn't have, you know, other offers in in a top five league?
1: Yeah, I am. I thought he would have already had a job at a much bigger team. He's been out of work for for quite a long time. And he did uh, some excellent things at Monaco, Uh, you know, as we were saying, bringing through young players, which is, you know, part of their DNA or has been for for a while. And, yeah, I don't know what, what, what has been going on with him. Um, why he, he didn't get an opportunity somewhere else in Europe. I guess you'd have to ask him. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, when, when a player or a manager goes to, South, to the Middle East or, you know, it's Asia is usually towards the end of their career. I'm not sure how much they can really achieve there. Um, I'm assuming it's, uh, I guess, financially it's, uh, it's quite beneficial but uh, he's still a pretty young guy. Is he forty-six? So uh, you know, he's still got plenty of time to to make that move to a, 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 you know well, Monaco. Well, you know, they did really well under him. Not really far in the, in the Champions League. So you know, he's got all that experience, and it's just a, a mystery why he hasn't. Uh, you know, someone hasn't looked at him. I I've got no idea.
0: Yeah. At the end of the day, though, money talks, um, and you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm I am a bit upset to not see him at a top five league because I think he's a good manager. Well, we'll see what happens. But uh, without any further ado, we're going to close off our show by by going to the Talent of the Week section, where we focus on a player uh, who is either Portuguese or playing in Portugal, um, and who think who who could be set for a big move soon. Um, so, Matthew, who is your Talent of the Week? If you
1: had to pick, can I talk about Fabio Vieta more? <laughs> uh, I <laughs> no, think I, ca- I can't talk about Fabio Vieta it. anymore. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> you deserve more praise. Um, well, no, nah, I mean, I don't think I should really. I think I've said everything I need to about Fabio Vieta, <laughs> but I, I, I was, I wasn't, I, was, <laughs> I wasn't super prepared. But um, I, I think it'd have to be Sal. You know, I think I think he's a he's a player that really as I said, you've got to think about, it's so easy to be critical and just see, see a few things on the pitch. You've got to think about the the human being. You've got to think about, you know, the history, their family, their influences, their, their mentors, the, the whole journey they've taken, the, the mentality of the player. And surely that he wouldn't have, he couldn't have had a better education to be a professional footballer. <laughs> you know, his dad was a super successful player. His dad's a super successful manager. Um, what more this guy has lived and breathed football his entire life, you know, and he's also got that extra point to prove about being the, the coach's son. I, I, and I've only seen, you know, little bits of him, of course, as, as most people have, but I really think there's huge potential there. I didn't, I wasn't expecting a whole lot actually when he came into the under 21 side, obviously he was, you know, caught up a bit late into the whole campaign. And I wasn't expecting to see a lot of him, but from what I did see, I thought there was really a lot of potential. And I like everything I see. I like the attitude. I like the drive. I like the hunger. I like the the, the technical proficiency. I like the vision. I like the execution. So much I like about him. So I think that he's definitely a player to watch. The obvious one that we've already mentioned is, you know, Diogo Costa, Boutinia, Fabio Vieira. But I think apart from those guys, then, yeah, Conce Sal is going to be a bit of a longer road. He's a lot younger than a lot of the other ones, or a couple of years younger. I think he's the one. I think he's the one to really keep a close eye on.
0: I can't believe you just Raphael rafael out like that. But
1: <laughs> um, Well, I'm you know, I made my thoughts on him clear. And, um, yeah, there's just something missing yeah. And also what people don't see is, is the warm-up. As I said, not only the, um, you know, the the drills they're doing, the crossing, the, the finishing, the passing, all the different drills they're doing, but all, all, the, all the subs, you know, they basically just get in a circle and play, you know, a couple of guys in the middle chasing the ball. And you know, they spend a lot of time sort of joking around and, you know. Um, so if you watch that, you actually can actually pick up a lot as well. You see how different players are just – carrying themselves, how they're sort of, um, you know, reacting and, 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 and conversing with, with other players. So, you know, you, you can see all these things as a, as a journalist or anyone going to a game early. Um, but you, you can pick up a lot of things. And as I say, a lot of things is, are just not visible on television. So, um, you know, I, I don't w- wish, you know, bad on any on any player or anyone. You know, I hope he turns into a superstar player and, and you know, gets into the senior team and, 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 and does great things with his career. He does, definitely has a lot of skill. Um But, you know, skill is only one part of of of, uh, of the job. So we'll see what happens with our uh, family But, you know, I wish him and Jetson really all the best.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with a player who... For my money, was the best Portuguese player on the pitch, uh, if not the best player on the pitch um, in Ljubljana, um, and that is—I've absolutely butchered that name like three times—and maybe you can shed light on how to pronounce the Slovenian capital. But uh, Ljubljana,
1: Ljubljana,
0: Ljubljana. Okay, I apologize yeah. for any Slovenians I've offended. Um, <laughs> but I'm gonna go with Yoga Costa. Uh, I think that Matthew made a very bold point talking about giving the starting spot to, to, to Julio Costa. Um, but, you know, the fact is, if if this isn't Sergio Consisal that we're talking about, I think he'd have a very good shot at beating Augustin Marquesin, a 33-year-old uh, goalkeeper who has done quite well um, since joining from America. But I, I think I could definitely see the benefit of giving that starting spot to Costa because... When you look at the other options, when you look at um, players such as Rui Silva, um, such as uh, Luis Maximiano, there are quite a few options. But I do think that Costa is the best suited to uh, eventually replace Hui Patricio as the, number, as the starting goalkeeper for the national team. Uh, but at the end of the day, the only way he's going to get there is by playing consistent minutes. And uh, that needs to be at Porto. So I think that, uh, I, I really think that Konsei Sao needs to give uh, Costa more minutes. Uh, can't just limit him to domestic cup action because, frankly, Marc Christine, you know, 33 years old, has two years left in his contract. Um, if he's not careful, he could end up losing Costa to, to you know, prioritize a, um, a an aging uh, player who, who frankly isn't that much better. What we saw from Costa in the U21 Euros final is absolutely spectacular. He was really the only reason uh, why Portugal had stayed in the match uh, for so long. Uh, did a fantastic job of, and 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 overall uh, I, I just have a lot of confidence in him going forward. So really excited to see how he does. Do um, you have any thoughts on Costa?
1: No, we've said it all. I think um, you, you can't knock Porto for not starting him up until this point and you know, um, Marchese has been there for, for two seasons now so the, there's no way they would have started Diogo Costa before this moment but I think now especially after what we saw in, in the final obviously it's just one game but as I said I've seen him play quite a lot now and I, you just hardly see him make any mistakes you know he's solid in every, in every aspect of the game in every attribute a goalkeeper needs so bring him in, get, it, get him there, you know, um, or at least, you know, they play so many matches in Portugal with all the cups and all the, you know, or at least just sort of do what they do sometimes and just rotate them in different competitions and give him a much bigger role. And then maybe, you know, get him into the the, the team that way. And then maybe the season after next, then he becomes a full starter. But yeah, he can't just be sitting on the, on the bench. I don't think he's got to he's got to fulfill his potential. And again, you know, you can look at it from Porto's point of view, you know, I'm not sure what his, his market value would be now, but if he comes into the starting side, you know, is he's not going to really increase in value. So, you know, from, from, from a financial point of view, from a, a potential point of view, it makes sense to bring him in surely. Absolutely.
0: Um, but you know, without any further ado, thank you so much, Matthew, for coming on. It's a pleasure to discuss, uh, these events with someone as knowledgeable as yourself. Um, and I really hope to be speaking with you again, uh, next season for Quota
1: No worries, mate. Thanks for having me on. And yeah, I'll, uh, keep doing my thing and following the Portuguese youngsters. Hopefully, uh, you know, this, uh, coronavirus is on the way out and, uh, can get back to normal sort of traveling and, uh, Start to get to a lot more games the 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 knockout games in in Slovenia was the uh the first game I'd been to for about fourteen months mate so uh it <laughs> wow. was uh, quite emotional I've almost forgotten how to watch a football game but um yeah
0: <laughs> yeah
1: yeah
0: Thank you. yeah. Thank you so much again. Um, It was a pleasure. Uh, Thanks. Thank you so much to everybody for tuning in. Make sure to check out the BTL digital magazine for the Euros. Um, And yeah, once again, thank you so much, Matthew.